welcome to Jeff Pasito Reads. I'm Jeff Pasito, and this is today's story. Static, Chapter 1 I pulled the plug out of Jared's still-cooling corpse. Not more than five, maybe six hours ago, we were both jacked in. Our minds expanded across the network, surfing the waves of information and pornography while our bodies sprawled like sacks of vegetated flesh across the legless couch and stained polyester area rug that made up the living quarters. We were looking for something, looking for nothing, looking for anything, really, anything that wasn't here, looking for garbage. We were both hopped up on some neon blue shit Bruno had convinced us was a pure Lithuanian neuroplastizer. In his words, it was... The fucking shit that fuck up your shit fucking good shit. We bought it anyway. Desperate times and whatnot. It was all buzz and no substance though. Useless random points of data were having a field day with our synapses, causing us to giggle like the Japanese schoolgirls who looked much too young in the drive dumps Jared kept stacked at the bottom shelf of his Ikea bookcase. All giddy, the universe unfolded before us in a mesmerizing technicolor wonderland of nodes and pathways that got lost within each other, twisting like multicolored red vines that kept unraveling and re-raveling synchronistically with inflating and deflating lungs, all while our husks hung draped across the furniture like emaciated meat afghans, propped up to avoid choking on our own saliva as we drooled like horny teens seeing our first boob. None of this was out of the ordinary. I'd done it a few times myself, and Jared never jacked in unless he was jacked up on some kind of upper, accelerator, enhancer, or booster. Nothing bad had ever happened before. No harm, no foul, as they say. The only bright spot in Bruno's knockoff Lithuanian buzz juice was at least they got the downer right. Say what you want about the lack of quality these pushers had to resort to with the tariffs and smuggling crackdowns, Bruno always came through with the stuff that got that part right. The biotech drug was designed to knock you out cold before you had to start worrying about the downhill slide as you came off the high. Misfiring booster or not, that come down could drive you nuts if you couldn't snap yourself out of it. The Lithuanians had figured that sequencing out perfectly, and whoever concocted this knockoff at least got that part of their patent infringement right. I was dreaming of pink unicorns before I even knew the neurotoxins were leaving my system. I'd heard of this sort of thing happening before, but I never thought it was real. Figured it was just some bureaucratic government bullshit made up to keep kids off the net and parents scared of it. The best way to police your actions is to control your thoughts, after all. I guess I was wrong, though as I stood there, staring down at Jared. I pulled off my relays and held them loosely before me in my hands as I towered over him, his body twisted and just looking wrong. Moments ago, he would have looked relaxed and serene. Now the awkward angle of his limbs looked tortured and disfigured. The new base units are supposed to come with a built-in filter. Texas Instruments and Yamachi were the first to notice the problems and incorporated fuzz filters on their DC models. Of course, if real people could afford DC models, we wouldn't all be running around with the hack-job shitboxes we do, jacking our brains directly into lo-fi circuitry barely fit to run an auto-tram. I've got an old Sony 10 myself, one of the last run from just before the company imploded, the target of industrial sabotage from, unironically, a company they were actively trying to bury through a corporate espionage plan of their own. I upgraded the relays to double speed about six months ago, Legit aftermarket parts from as close to a reputable source as you can find, and it works as good as anything else affordable out there right now. I mean, I guess I've just been lucky that the fuzz never got me. Jared wasn't so lucky. 
I picked up his base unit and followed the leads up to his relays. Snapping them off, I could see the glaze of his eyes shimmering through half-closed lids. Rolled so far back into his skull, his heavily dilated pupils were barely visible under the sagging crescents of his lids. His base unit was a real piece of work. Three-week-old Fujitsu board, hardwired with enough upgrade cards that they spilled out like the sprawling fan of a geisha dancer. He had gigabyte transfer nodes and a stolen state-of-the-art NEC processor. Fucking giga-fucking-byte transfer nodes. That was the kind of gear snobby rich bitch kids had wet dreams about. I don't like hot property. I won't use it, and I won't trade it, so I don't think twice about taking the base. I have no record, and I don't want one. So I leave the hot rod bod mod where it laid, snaked out between him and the spliced power outlet he butterfly clipped into it. Besides, the hardware could easily have been some defected rejects the company was disposing of. You never know what you're really buying from the market, and now you're feeding code some pimpled overweight 30-something hacked together through that questionable hardware you bought from some guy named Ling who doesn't speak but two words of English and has a three-inch hair growing from a mole on his neck right into your DIY home chemistry set drug-addled brain. It was when I leant to put the console down that I noticed it. I was ecstatic, elated yet scared at the same time. My heart jumped into my throat, but also beat out of my chest at a million miles a minute. There, on the other side of the salvaged glass and wood coffee table, sat a beautiful Digilab dream machine. I don't know how I missed it before. Must have been too excited to get online yesterday. The dream machine was the way of the future. No more messing around with disk drive load lag. No more attenuated VR spiking, jarring artifacts at inappropriate times. Just a little tube, about the size of your thumb, is all you needed to hold an entire lifetime. An entire fucking lifetime. Digilab were by no means the front runners in the industry on this technology. There were a handful of startups that were boasting some pretty convincing numbers, and at least one of the big three was jumping on board, planning a Q3 release, which would inevitably get pushed back to Q4, and may even be vaporware by the time it's ready for prime time in the next Q1. This was also a Dream Machine Mach 1. As its name would suggest, it was the first iteration of the next-gen consoles. Could you even put the other consoles in the same league as it? This was a paradigm shift. A whole new epoch. Am I making myself clear? It was like when relays went from big dumb things you hung on your wall and shared with everyone around you to tiny electrodes embedded in your temples that could flash feed straight to your brain. About a year old, the Mach 1 had been supplanted by the Mach 2, or Mach squared, as they marketed it, as if the progress was exponential. Then the Mach X, then the Mach Next. See what they did there? Some overly clever mid-level marketing manager must have had a hard-on for weeks after he came up with that. Then some wise guy somehow tallied up all the iterations and subgrades and jumped them to Mach 8. And now, in about two weeks, the Mach 10 was set to be released in China proper. There was no clever marketing for that. I guess 10 just sounded better than 9. The rapid iteration on these guys left two truths. One, the older machines lost their value very quickly. And two, they didn't make a lot of them. So they were rare. Actually, forget rare. They were scarce. Like trying to get fresh water in New South Mexico scarce. Hell, the next never even made it out of India. All that meant was that this wasn't some cobbled together hot hack job. Jared got this legitimately, like super legit. They've got unhackable passive two-kilometer RFIDs hard-coded into their blockchain, which means they're tracked almost constantly. 
Some cloud frame somewhere has the entire journey this dream machine took to find its way to Jared's piss-stained floor. I hesitated. Only for a moment. I could backdate a blockchain credit transfer to Jared's account and make it look like I legitimately bought the dream machine off him a couple days ago. I knew a guy on the east side by the shallow docks who could burn me some underground stuff. The real hardcore, filthy-to-the-bone stuff they censor like hell on netcasts. What made me hesitate was that the dream machine's output cable ran from the far side of the box, along the floor, over an empty beer can, under a sock, and up to the base unit in my hand. Jared was jacking into the fucking dream machine. That meant he wasn't just shit-surfing. He was patched into a disc. Relay still in hand, I took the three long strides towards the machine. The sock gave a small tug to the cables as it slipped off, and the can offered a pathetic hollow chime as it span a circle and a half against the gruddy carpet. I popped the lid on the shiny black box and had to turn my head to read the title markered onto the two-inch cylinder that sat at the center of the collection of micro-mirrors used to bounce lasers off the module to read its data. Jane Love. Fucking shitty Jane Love. Silicone breasts of the 80s had made their way for saline and other painful derivatives, only now to retrograde back to, albeit a different kind, of silicone. Porn stars no longer modified their bodies, or at least didn't need to. Holographic system-on-a-chip technology, a couple silicone wafers the size of my thumbnails, filtered depth-scan data through proprietary algorithms to make things as big or as small, as smooth or as round, or basically as custom as you'd like. Have you ever made an avatar in one of those classic neck games? You know the ones from back when connectivity wasn't ubiquitous and people still used modems to connect to the net and pay through the nose for that privilege? Well, it's kind of like that. You pick your star in her scene, and then with a series of sliders and checkboxes, you make her what you want. You want a big ass? Slide that bar to the right. Brown hair? Tick that box in the color choices. Some even got down to the color of nail polish they wore. Talk about granulated fetishization. There were some restrictions in place, mostly to stop illegal shit from going down in someone's psyche, but some stars used those filters to limit what could be done to them. They had a perceived notion of themselves, of their virtual self, if you will, and set boundaries to the adjustments. Jane Love was bigger than life, quite literally, and wouldn't let you bring her down past a four on most of the scales. That's like a 38D to put it into perspective. Miss Love was a far cry from Jared's usual J-pop fantasies. Why would he even bother? I disconnected his base unit from the dream machine and ran the leads of the tiny contraption into my Sony 10. Thank God for universal interface mandates creating a standardized quick-release socket system used almost worldwide. Snapping the relays over my eyes, I took a deep breath, puffing out my cheeks as I exhaled slowly. This was it. This was the future. I punched it on and waited to be transported to another reality. It was the usual shit. Some generic any woman, or should I say no woman, materializes and introduces the program. My eyes frown as I purse my lips. What a disappointment. She continues, telling you about other offers they have in an overly breathy voice while incredibly graphic scenes float all around. I shake my head disapprovingly and hit zip to fly by it all. Fade in from black now, and there's Jane, walking through clearly CG mist. So far I'm not convinced these dream machines are all they're cracked up to be. Besides, 
How could anyone actually like this forced melodrama? Zip, zip, zip. Shit. Does this shit ever end? As Jane bends over towards me, I reach for zip again, and it hits me. The snow takes over my mind, like the moment you lose consciousness before sleep, but instantaneously. I seize up. I'm almost frozen. My motor functions aren't working properly. I try to thrash out with my hand, but my leg feigns a kick instead, causing me to lose my balance and topple to the floor, my forehead narrowly missing the sharp edge of the oak table. I start to panic. Trying to wiggle my body, nothing happens. My eyes can't even dart around. They're transfixed on the static. On that damn signalless fuzz. I pull at my invisible restraints, feeling blood vessels in my eyes pop. Every nerve is on fire. I feel like my skin is boiling, and at the same time I feel nothing at all. Then I feel it. My Sony 10 is at the tip of my left hand. I strain again, willing my body to respond to me out of sheer desperation. Every thought focused on my left hand. I have to hit the power button. I can't see where it is, I can't feel it, but if I hit the unit enough, I'm bound to turn it off. I'm sure I hit it. I'm positive it clicked off, but that damn fuzz keeps burrowing into my brain, rendering me useless. I put everything I've got into one last attempt and can actually feel my body turn over. That sensation is like a million flaming needles all simultaneously penetrating every inch of my flesh and yet somehow giving me the chills. The Digilab unit skitters across the floor, thankfully enough to pop the cables out. It must have been about a half hour later when I finally pulled the relays off with weak, shaky hands that barely had the strength to grip. My head throbbed and my vision swam with an uneasy sensation reminiscent of a cross-eyed headache. My lips smacked a rancid bile, the corners of my mouth slightly crusted with it. I must have vomited in my seizure slumber. I also noticed the wet stain on the front of my pants, darkening the tan cotton knit. As I twisted to move, my brain felt as though it was lurching across the room. My urine-soaked pants clung to me, the unwelcoming cool sensation topped only by the putrid stench of my voided bowels. I really needed to get home and change. I turned to look at Jared, still lying there, about six feet behind me. I moved to him in stiff, awkward, jerky motions and checked his pulse. He wasn't just paralyzed. He was even colder than before, and his joints were stiffening up already. No, he wasn't stuck like I was. He was dead. Five seconds of static and I lost complete control of my body. God knows how long his synapses were directly feeding off straight snow. He was probably locked in for a few hours. So it's real. I can see that now. I witnessed it firsthand. That static was more than just no signal. It was a blanket of fuzzy white and gray death, lethally coating those unfortunate enough to come across it with some kind of neural toxins their minds just couldn't process. I picked up my belongings, careful not to forget the dream machine, and made my way toward the door. Taking one last look back at Jared, spastically prone on the floor, I glanced down at the baggie full of sparkly blue powder that we had shoved up our noses the night before, clutched between my fingers. I closed my eyes. Holding them shut for a moment, my mind speeding through scenarios. I opened them and tossed the bag at Jared's paling cadaver, laying there in static stasis. Thank you for listening to today's story. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can reach me by email at jeff at that's J-E-F-F -F at P-A-C-I-T-T-O dot com. 
on Twitter at jpacitoreads or visit our website at pacito.com. See you soon. Some additional sound effects for this episode are from zapsplat.com and used under their standard license. All contents of this audio broadcast are copyrighted by Jeff Pacito.